Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be Next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit BeNext.ThinkMOCO.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 49 of the Fantrax Tool Show with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today. And with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. I want to apologize. We didn't get two episodes out last week. Planned to get both these out. You know, we had life happens eric went to the dark side and did a fantasy football draft so i did you know that was that was my, one night my Couldn't one draft of the year <laughs> i feel you but yeah we're glad to be back glad to be getting our outfield and pitching prospect risers and fallers today it'd be a fun episode almost a 50 number 49 i can't believe it and we're almost approaching the year mark now the podcast it's kind of kind of crazy we started what last november early november I think our first pod was like one of the last few days of October. So yeah, yeah, basically last November. Yeah. So like a month and a half, it'll be a year. It's crazy. So we appreciate all the support and all of the listeners have got us here this far. So we thank you all and appreciate you still tuning in, even even with football starting back. So we appreciate all your support. Psh, what's this football that you speak of? <laughs> still baseball season. Always. Um, yeah, I echo everything Krista said. Thanks, everybody. And yeah, I apologize for not getting the second one out. We will definitely get a second one out this week. We're doing the, as Chris mentioned, uh, finishing our risers and fallers from our August up or I guess September updates. Um, so we'll finish that today. And then probably on Wednesday, we'll get out a second one with some MLB uh, Dynasty talk as well. So be able to look out for that as well. But before we get into today's pod, let's go through our usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at Aircross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please write and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus pods, private Discord access, access to our live prospect dynasty rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash Toolshed. And we will still be cranking out all types of content throughout the offseason. So it won't stop just because the season's over, obviously. Uh, and of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other podcasts, SP Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and our newest podcast, Fantasy Football POV, hosted by good buddy Michael Govier. All right. 
let's get into this week's episode here. We'll start with outfield followers here. We got about, uh, what, eight, nine names or so here. We'll go in depth on a few of these names. Uh, we won't go in depth on all of them because we have to get through a lot of names tonight. Uh, but let's start with a couple outfielders, one from the 2019 international class and one from the 2020 draft class that are off to less than stellar starts to their pro careers, let's just say. Eric Pena from the Kansas City Royals, Austin Hendrick from the Cincinnati Reds. At least with Hendrick, he's walking a ton. He's got 51 walks and 266 plate appearances, which equates out to a 19.2% walk rate. But at the same time, his K rate is also insanely high at 37.6%. Not hitting for much power. Seven home runs in 63 games, 211, 380, 388 slash. You know, he was one that was kind of considered a top 10 FYPD guy uh, last year and has slid a ton down rankings, including both of our rankings here. Chris, how uh, do you think that we were kind of talking about Hendrick a little bit before we came on the air here about his overly passive nature and you kind of comparing him to, you know, like a Nolan Jones type? Are you worried that this is how he's going to be long term? This is going to hurt his value? Or do you think he can start being more aggressive here as we as we get further into his pro career? I'm actually a little surprised that he's not more aggressive based on you know, everything I knew prior to the draft. Obviously, with a prep guy, you know, there's so many unknowns. We can think that we know a lot, but but the reality is that we don't know everything about him. So I don't know. I mean, right now we have to go off what we have seen this year, and that's pretty passive guy. And you know, as a as a prep guy coming to the draft, I thought Hendrick was a guy that had plus power. You know, the hit tool I think had some question marks. But he went through stretches over his prep career where he did show flashes where he was pretty consistent with a hit tool. And then he would go through stretches where it was just not there. I think you've seen that this year. You've probably seen more of the bad than the good in the strikeout rate at near 38% this year in low A. Not great. It's also important to realize that, that he's 20 years old and he almost started the minor league season this year at 20. And so even though he was drafted last year, he was older in the class. So He's a little bit older for that level as well. And so to see him struggle is kind of tough when you, your OBP is 380 and your slugs 388, definitely some slight concern. Obviously the OBP is nice. Like to see him walking like that. But when power was your perennial calling card and we haven't really seen that this year, I think that that begs question marks and it's not even from a lack of um, like fly ball, ground ball distribution. He's only hitting the ball on the ground at 28% rate his fly ball rate is near 50%. The ball's just not getting out of the park. And so he'll definitely be one to monitor going forward, especially given that his BABIP is 363. Kind of interesting there. I don't know. I don't really know what to make of him yet. I'd like to see more and see how he really develops, but I haven't been particularly impressed. He's outside my top 200 right now, even for OBP. When you know we mentioned the OBP and how much he's been walking, but I just think that, with how deep he's getting into counts that like Nolan Jones, this is a scenario where you're either going to walk or you're going to strike out. I mean, we're looking at a player who is walking or striking out nearly 60% of his plate appearances. Like that's a, a huge number and that's not very conducive for, for fantasy. So, you know, right now he's definitely a faller and we'll see. I hope that he continues to get back on track and, and continues development, but it'll be interesting to follow. Yeah, it definitely will. And like, like you mentioned, you know, power being Hendricks calling card. The fact that he doesn't, he's not showing that power. Like if, if he had like, I don't know, let's say 16, 17 home runs right now, I'd be a little less worried. 
but the fact that the only thing he's really doing well is walking, right? Like no, power's not there, contact's not there, only hitting 211 even with that bad bip. So, you know, there's a lot to be worried about here that, you know, you need to find that that good balance between aggressiveness and patience. And, you know, s- someone like Nolan Jones has yet to figure that out. Trent Grisham did, you know, um, Juan Soto's are probably the perfect example of that. But, you know, with Hendrick, that's what he's set to figure out. And like you mentioned, he's still young, uh, as is Eric Pena. Like he's, both these guys are still young. So I'm not, like, completely writing them off yet. I haven't moved Hendrick down quite as far. I moved him not a ton, but he is 146 for me right now. And Eric Pena is 106. I probably could have bumped Pena down more, but I've, I still like the raw tools there. I still think he can be above average with the bat while adding in some speed as well. So I'm still, I'd say, more of a believer in Eric Pena. And he's even younger. He's still only 18, um, struggling a ton down in the rookie ball. Uh, 164, 263, 05 slash, only two home runs and uh, four steals in 37 games, 146 plate appearances with a high K rate. But he's, he's walking around 10%, a little under 10%. So um, I'm not moving him down extremely yet but i don't know how worried are you about pena i guess um, who you, and, and you higher on him moving forward or hendrick yeah i've got pena at 125 still okay. and i i think that pena is more of a case where again he you know obviously this is his first year in full season well not even full season you know short season stateside ball so first professional season stateside and so i think there's going to be some kinks to work out but Pena's got a sweet swing. I think his swing's pretty conducive to contact. You know, the hit tool will be interesting to see how it develops because, again, like prep guys with with these international signees, it's so hard to judge a player's hit tool based on, you know, the video that we get because we don't get a whole lot. And obviously there are play, or, uh, scouts that are down there and seeing this these guys in games. So that you know, helpful, but – with what we have, it's not a lot, but we have to go off what we have now and what we've seen with Pena. You know, Chris Welsh, he has interviewed Pena several times, speaks very highly of him. You know, I think that Pena is the type of guy that's going to work hard and get back on track. So, you know, while I have him outside the top 100, I think that he could definitely be a top 100 prospect moving forward. Probably overrated him just a little bit coming out. As you know, it's easy to do with you know plenty of these international guys that we get hype on. And so, you know, at one point I had him around the 60 range in my prospect rankings, which was probably too high. But, you know, I still think that Pena can get to some power. I think he's got some speed to work with. So I think it'll all be a kind of question of his contact skills and the hit tool development, which I still think he can get to. So, yeah, I'm more confident in Pena being younger, being his first, you know, first taste of professional ball stateside and it being a short season. He's still, you know, there's still plenty ahead of him that he could develop and turn into a very solid player. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree there. I definitely would. If, if I could buy low on one of these two right now, I would definitely go Eric Pena over um, Austin Hendrick. And yeah, you bring up a good point too about these international guys. It's 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 like a double-edged sword. It's hard to value. These are the hardest guys to value because you he, you see, you know, all we see really is like video from the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or Cuba or, or wherever it may be of them, you know, on this backfield somewhere um, in a town that probably none of us even know about hitting tanks. But at the same time, like, that's all we have really is, you know, scouting reports from a few few people around the industry, like Ben Badler, for example. Um, and we get these videos, but we don't have as much info on them as we might have a high school player, you know, from, from the United States. So it's harder to 
get a good gauge on these guys and you can't really grade a hit that's why i've stopped really grading hit tools on these guys because like i you haven't seen them in game action it's hard to do a hit tool and you haven't really seen them in game action so you're like all right they got some raw power speed whatever um but yeah then it's like these guys are either going to go way up or way down it's like that's just the nature of the ball game with these types of guys but uh, moving on here to the next guy on our list who is falling for a different reason not really performance based because he hasn't played since 2019 but christian robinson you know th- this story has gotten you know kind of not weirder and weirder as it goes along and obviously you know if you've been following along with the story he has been sentenced to 18 months probation for uh striking a police officer i think it was what was it last year that that yeah, happened or last yeah, year 2020 yeah, yeah so 18 months probation. So that kind of puts his playing career right now in, in flux. Like we don't know when he'll get back on the field. You know, we, we see the talent with, with Christian Robinson. Like the talent is evident. He was inside my top 10 at one point. I think he peaked at like number seven or number eight. Like he was actually right in the same kind of breath as Marco Luciano not too long ago, like two years ago. But between some of the issues that comp uh, uh, last year with, you know, approach and his weight and whatnot. And now this, He's fallen outside my top 100 now. I was holding on hope. Like I, I was one like what, uh, Chris Welsh asked me when I was on his podcast what, a month or so ago. Well, I haven't really dropped him lower. I'm like, well, I'm kind of holding on to see how this whole situation kind of ends up. You know what 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 comes comes of it, and now we know what comes of it. So I'm moving him down even more. So it's, it's, he's hard to rank though. Where, where do you have him ranked? Uh, let me see. Like you mentioned, it's hard. I've got him 143. Here's the biggest yeah. problem. The talent level is there. And like you mentioned, a top 10 talent. But the issue with the 18-month probation is the fact that right now he's got a felony and it won't be downgraded to, to a misdemeanor until after the 18 months. And here's the next problem with that is the fact that he doesn't have a visa right now to be in the country, which right. is interesting. And he can't get that visa while he has a felony. And it's a big jumbled up mess right now right but i've you know there's also been reports that he is over here you know in at the complex hanging out you know at practices i don't really know but i know that there's visa issues right now and the diamondbacks also said like he's got to be protected this year on the 40 man for rule five they said they're going to protect him regardless but let's think of i mean like i don't know how all this gets solved because you know i'm not i don't know all the legal stuff but i do know enough that says 18 months from now puts us what 2023 yeah beginning beginning of 2023 yeah so if he doesn't get that felony dropped until then like that completely rules out and playing next season too so i don't know it's certainly a weird situation maybe they get the visa stuff sorted out but you know who really knows at this point it seems more on the negative side than than not and it's possible they can like the diamondbacks are fighting to try to get him that visa but i know like with a felony it's going to make it really hard for him to get and it's going to take 18 months to get that to a misdemeanor so who really knows (laughs) yeah that's the thing we don't we none of us know like when is he going to make his next you know at bat in the minor league game because we, we think about it, it's good probably at least 2023 at this point. And then who knows if it's even, you know, 2023, like it might take some more time to get figured out. So like, there's a chance it might not be to like mid to late 2023 or even 2024. Like it's, it's really just kind of hectic right now. And even, even if it's, you know, let's say it's opening day, 2023, that puts him at 20, 22 years old now. So you see still young, which is on, which is in his favor, but 2022. So 
yeah, or twenty twenty three. Excuse me, twenty two years old. But then he would not not have played in a game for nearly four years. So shake the rust off. What kind of player is he? You know, I don't know what he's doing right now. So yeah, a lot of question marks. You know, if you can get him, like I I have him in several dynasty leagues, and I'm just gonna hold on to him because I wouldn't get anywhere near the value for him right now, which I don't blame anybody. But if you could go out and get him for someone that's like, all right, I, I don't want to you know wait this long and they pedal him off for a pretty steep discount, I'd be okay. Just if it cost me like you know just a, like a top two fifty guy or something like that, someone a lot lower in my rankings, I would definitely do that. But yeah, it's just a very weird situation it's hard to really gauge his value right now and when we might even see him again um moving on here the two atlanta braves here that are falling down my rankings i don't know about how far they're falling on chris's rankings but uh drew waters and christian pache i am at this point i'm i'm out 100 out on drew waters he, he's running this year great 24 steals but the power has really just plateaued. It hasn't really progressed to the point where I thought it would. He has nine home runs and a 331, uh, no, should be 374 slug in 88 games in a you know triple AAA environment, which is usually offensive friendly. He's still striking out a ton. The platoon issues are still there. All these issues that we've talked about with Drew Waters are still there and have gotten even worse in some instances. So I don't know. And he's gotten he's even gotten leapfrogged by some guy like Michael Harris has leapfrogged both these guys. So it's not like, oh, Drew Waters is still the next guy. I don't even think that's the case anymore. So, I don't know. Chris, from, a, from an Atlanta fan perspective, where are you at on these two? Is, I don't know. Like, Obviously, Pache has that defense, so that still helps him. You know, He'll still get time. But is Drew Waters, do you think he fits in the Braves' long-term plans anymore? Or do you think he needs to change the scenery at this point? Yeah, I think he needs to change the scenery. I could see him being part of a trade this offseason. And they missed the window. I mean, they should have traded him in 2019 when there was peak value. But... He struggled. I mean, he's been, you know, even worse just as the season's going on. Over the last month, he's slashing 151, 259, 205. That's horrific. And that's just not going to get the job done. And I don't know. I mean, the tools are there, I think, but I don't I don't see him fitting into the plans. And I feel like if the Braves were confident he would have got a shot, you know, before they went out and traded for all these guys and they wouldn't have traded for all these guys if they thought he could perform at the big league level. Now, right. Pache, on the other hand, I think he's going to be a much better real life player than, you know, fantasy prospect from the, from the fielding. Like you mentioned, he's got an elite glove. He's got an elite arm. You know, I think he's sevens, you know, with the glove and the arm, which is, you know, phenomenal, but he's coming around with a bat to an extent over the last month, you know, hitting 306, 366 OBP. The power still really isn't there. I mean, just a 400 slug, but still, I think that I think the bat can develop and be serviceable enough where it'll play in center field for the Braves. I mean, because I think he provides that much value in the field, so that'll be interesting to see. But you know, at this point, I'm I feel more confident that you know Pache will be a contributor for Atlanta than than Drew Waters will. But for fantasy, I'm not really seeing much for for either of these guys. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I'd still say there's probably a higher fantasy ceiling for Waters, but it's the fact that that power has not really developed at all over the last couple of years. And at AAA level, he's had a key rate of 33.4%. It was 36.1% at the end of 2019 in his 20 games there. I don't me, 26 games. And then this year in 88 games, 32.6%. ISO 103 and 140. He's even had some high BABIPs too, and those haven't really helped him out at all. It's at 234 this year. So 
I don't know. I don't see. I think he'll be. I don't know if I want to say he's a fourth outfitter at this point. I still think he can be a uh, low end major league regular, probably on a you know not an Atlanta Braves, not like a you know championship caliber team. But yeah, I definitely think I could see him getting dealt out of town here this offseason. Maybe for a pitcher, who knows? They could probably use on the pitcher this offseason. So I could see that happening. But yeah, right now he's just falling way down my rankings, where he's barely inside my top two hundred anymore. I might have even been generous with this ranking. Like he is currently. 178, and I probably could have dropped him even lower. I'm just, I'm completely out at this point. I still have him in like two, I think one or two leagues. I've been trying to pedal him off, and nobody wants him at this point. So, yeah, it, it's there's, hard. There's minimal value. Like, I've, I've even tried like Braves fans, and they're like, nah, nah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't blame them. I don't. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm pressed on trying to get rid of him. I don't want him anymore either. But, um, I guess uh, let's go over to the row. A few more followers here. We don't have to get into these guys too much, but uh, this is the other four we have on our list just to mention. Uh, David Calabrese from the Angels, Misael Urbina from the Twins, who I really liked you know, for the last couple of years, but he's had a terrible year this year down in A-ball. Uh, Heston Kierstead is kind of, you know, he's not really, he hasn't played yet, but it's, um, they're, uh, health-wise, I should say, uh, is the reason why he dropped. And then Bayron Laura, another 2019 international guy that has not performed well like Eric Pena. So those are four more guys that are falling on our rankings here. But let's get over to the positives here in this outfield. So there's a lot of outfielders on the rise, starting with Owen Casey and Kevin Alcantara from the Cubs, both of which are brought in in various trades uh, over the last uh, year and a half or so. Casey from the uh, Padres and the U Darvish deal and Kevin Alcantara from the Yankees. Um, this trade deadline Cubs really done a great job at bringing in talent. Like their top 25 right now is very, very interesting. Um, Casey's a guy I really love. Like I'll start with him. I love Owen Casey. He's a big, strong lefty, six, four, one ninety, a lot of projection. And he's starting out really hot in pro ball. Uh, he's still done a little bit after his promotion from rookie ball to a ball, um, but still three Oh nine, four forty five nineteen on the year, seven home runs, 11 doubles, in 48 games. I think this is going to be a power. Like he could be like, I see a lot of Joey Gallo in him. He's walking a ton, 37 walks and 200 plate appearances, 18 and a half percent rate. So power walk rate, you know, hit tool still, even though he's sitting 309 hit tool was kind of the concern coming out of the draft. Can he even provide a little bit of speed? Even he has one steal. I think he's a guy that could have, you know, add a handful of steals every year. So Casey's a guy I'm very, very high on uh, Chris. What are your thoughts on Owen Casey and, and Kevin Alcantara? Yeah, I mean, they've certainly both impressed. And, you know, it's funny. Everybody lost their mind when the U Darvish trade went down because, <laughs> you know, they got four younger prospects in return that hadn't really done much at the professional level. But, I, you know, as I said, I was a fan of the package in general. And, yeah, we're seeing it now. You know, Reggie Preciado has been really solid. Owen Casey is actually, you know, he may have been my lowest at the time of the guys, maybe the third best in the time, but he's definitely jumped up there. Where you know I'm a big fan, a, a much bigger fan now. And it's my Elmina, and uh, who's a shortstop they got? Uh, was it Santana? Oh, yeah, yeah, Yason Santana. Yep, Yason Santana. That's right. So yeah, I mean they did phenomenal in that deal, in my opinion. And you know even with Casey slowing down a little bit, like you mentioned, he's still been solid, and overall the numbers have have been fine. You know the strikeout rate's actually down a hair. Yeah, his walk rates are sky high, and and I don't know. I haven't watched enough film to know if it's you know confirmed for sure, like I do with Austin Hendrick, being too passive, getting too deep into counts. But you know, I think there's a lot of power here. Really like what I've seen so far. 
and he's been impressive. You know, he dominated the complex level, well-earned promotion to Myrtle Beach, you know, here in South Carolina. Haven't seen him live yet, but yeah, I think that Casey's a guy that could could really pop up and be, I think he could be a top 100 prospect pretty soon. As with Alcantara, who I was a fan of when he signed with the Yankees, you know, he didn't have the most impressive debut, pro debut in 2019, but, you know, came out in complex ball this year with the Cubs first and, and looked really good, obviously then traded. And, you know, since moving to the Yankees complex, you know, been stellar as well. So he hadn't slowed down a bit. Does hit the ball on the ground a little bit too much. That's my biggest hesitation with him. The ground ball rate being near 50% is concerning. You know, you can get, some can get away with it, but I'd like to see that launch angle come up a little bit and hit less balls on the ground. So it'll be interesting to see, but even still, you know, you can't deny what he's doing. The stats are very solid. Big fan of his swing. Everything I think that he could fill out. I mean, 6'6, 188 is what he's listed at. So he could fill out and really add some power. Tons of tools here. He's got good speed as well. So massive upside here with Alcantara. So both these guys I'm I'm definitely yeah. a fan of. I love like you mentioned, like the, the frames these guys have, they're already showing really solid raw power already with all that projection. Like I mentioned Casey's listed six four one ninety, Alcantara six six one eighty eight. A lot of projection on both these frames. So I think they could definitely add a lot, even more power, and be easy sixty power guys down the road. And we'll see. You know, obviously, with the hit tools, and you know, Alcantara could provide even more speed than Casey can. So I think he could be like a ten to twelve steal guy. But we'll see how he fills out. It's always hard to kind of project how the speed will look once a player fills out, especially when there's that much production left on his uh, pretty slight frame. But um, yeah, definitely very intrigued by both these guys. And then you know, going from one former Yankee to a current Yankee outfield prospect, Everson Pereira is absolutely raking this year he's only played in 43 games he had an injury earlier but 313 411 693 slash nine doubles 17 home runs and nine steals in 43 games yeah and that's between he uh, started out three games in complex level ball 19 in low a tampa and 21 in high a hudson valley now he slowed down a little bit he's only hitting 265 in Hudson Valley, but at the same time, he has 11 home runs in 21 games. Half of his hits have been home runs in Hudson Valley. So even though he's only hitting 265, which isn't bad by any means, he has a 687 slug there. So the power, 17 home runs in 43 games. Like he's a guy that has always kind of intrigued me, you know, but the performance, you know, 2018 and 2019 and the lower levels, rookie ball and and the short season New York Penn League at the time. It wasn't good. You know, it was OPS of 712 and 473. Wasn't hitting for power. Wasn't hitting for average. So he was just kind of a guy that just intrigued me. And now the stats are catching up and he's skyrocketing up my rankings. I'm trying to get him everywhere I can. Average, you know, I think he's at least an average hit tool, maybe an above average, above average power, average above average speed. I think he'd just be one of those guys that can do a bit of everything well. So yeah, he's flying way up my rankings. Yeah. And he's really come on with the power hitting the ball extremely hard over on rotowire they have the hit strength for minor leaguers and Pereira is ranked third among all minor leaguers with at least 150 plate appearances this year on hard hit rate of a 44.2 percent so you see that and he's been absolutely dominant hitting the ball hard which is what you love to see and the guys ahead of him are you know really not they're not pro- non-prospects older guys so 
Uh, he's been highly, highly impressive. You look at you know, the body of work and, you know, at once he was thought of much higher, you know, he kind of, he's been one of those guys that's been around for a while. I think he yeah. signed back in 2017, debuted in 2018 in rookie ball at 17 years old. And then obviously, you know, didn't do a ton. And then we missed the 2020 season. So it's been, a, you know, four or five years really for him. And so he's really coming to his own here still just 20 years old because he signed so young. So you're right. I think he's a guy you got to go out and get right now. I think the cost could, you know, skyrocket on him. And, you know, I think that I, he deserves a, a bump even higher in my rankings. I put him at 164. I think he's probably a borderline top 100 guy at this point. Yeah. And he, he's the perfect type of prospect. I have him at 154. I probably should bump him higher as well, but yeah, he's the type of prospect that's perfect to try to acquire because I think the value he can act like realistically provide right now is higher than his, you know, I think perceived value as a prospect. I think that hasn't really caught up yet. That price tag hasn't caught up to what he's doing right now. Just, he, you know, he's not been a, he was never like a huge name. Like, yeah, he was, he was a name, but he was never like one of those huge, like top of the class type of names. So, you know, I think that's definitely helped suppress his value even now while he's, you know, excelling because you don't, you certainly hear a lot of buzz about him right now. So, yeah, now is a perfect time to go out and get him. So, I definitely think he could be, you know, top 100 very, very soon here. And it's kind of funny about these Yankees prospects. It's like the ones that were higher in the rankings early, well, and both sides of the ball, pitching and, and hitting, have kind of floundered this year. Well, guys like, like this and Volp and Oswaldo Peraza have all skyrocketed up their rankings while Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt and, and all the other guys are kind of falling down. So, been a lot of risers in this in this New York system, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And Pereira is definitely one of them. Um, but moving on here, uh, we have a few more names here before we go over to pitchers. Here, we have a trio of Brewers here: Joey Weimer, Henry Mendez, and Sal Freelich. Uh, I don't know, Chris. Pick one. Who do, who do you want to talk about here? Uh, let's go with Weimer. He's yeah, big breakout pop up guy. I don't know. I mean, he just keeps hitting. I think I, I keep feeling like he's going to slow down at some point, but he's not. He just keeps going on and on. And I think he's borderline top 100 guy at this point. You look and he homered again today. And I don't, I don't see how many that puts him up to on the year. 24. 24. Yeah. I mean, with, with just, 29 steals. But again, he had 22 steals in low A, which we have to, yeah. even even any A ball level, we take it with a grain of salt at this point. Right. But I like that he's running at least. That's a yeah, plus. For sure. You like to see that run. I don't, you know, stolen base stats and in the lower levels of minors are, you can toss them out the window, but he's always had big raw power. He's really tapping into it this year. The hit tool is coming along as well. I think that, you know, previously it was a question of, you know, how would the hit tool actually develop? And, He's been stellar. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick last year in the draft, so we didn't see him, obviously, with no minor league season. And this year he's just come out firing on all cylinders. And I don't know, Milwaukee's just – I think they're really good at developing these guys. We've seen it on the pitching standpoint at the major league level. and We're seeing it with the, these younger bats in the minor leagues where they're just doing phenomenal development. And it's been impressive. As we mentioned, these three guys really moving up. And we saw guys like Joe Gray as well earlier in the year, extremely hot. So – yeah, they're doing a good thing, and you know both these other guys, Hendry Mendez, and even Sal Frillick, who I was a little lower on after the college season than, than most. He's been pretty impressive as well since you know coming to pro ball. 
Yeah, and, and going back to Weimer real quick here, uh, we you know we talk about the stolen base numbers, and but he he stole a decent amount in college. So he had thirty five and one hundred and twenty two games in college. So it wasn't like you know it's strictly been the you know low A ball level you know incur you know it based it's he stole bases before this too. So um, like the power speed blend there, it'll be really interesting to see what he does once he's up. He probably will just keep him at high A this year and then double A. Uh, next, uh, probably double A to start next year. So that, I think that'll be a real telltale sign for for him. See, and he's a little older; he's twenty two. So I, I want to see how he does in the upper levels. Um, and if he continues this, I think he's a really skyrocket up rankings with that power speed blend. And then, hey, yeah, Henry Mendez is you know he hasn't hit a home run yet, but really, really lo- you know the hit tools look pretty good. He has more walks than strikeouts uh, this year: sixteen walks to nine strikeouts, hitting three twenty one, four fourteen OBP out of the couple steals. So it's just like kind of like the raw tools where he's already starting to show those raw tools. He's got projection. He's got some decent raw power. I think he can be at least a 50 raw. We'll see how his, his frame develops, but he's the one where he hasn't really really started skyrocketing yet. I know he's been moving up rankings, but this is a guy that could really, really pop, especially next year when he gets, you know, a full season under his belt instead of just, you know, the last month or so month and a half, when he gets like a full season, starts put, putting up some numbers. I think that's a guy that would be like, Boom, he's a top 100 guy. I think he really could. And Sal Freelick, I, I like Sal Freelick. He's the type of guy that, you know, he's, you know, the power isn't quite there. He's got some pop. He has two home runs in 30 games right now, but it's really the the hit tool and speed and the approach. Like he's got a good base. He's a high floor type of guy because of his, you know, I mentioned above average to plus hit tool, great approach. He had more walks than strikeouts in college. And this year, like everything he showed us, you know, in this in college, he's showing now. He's hitting for average. He has 19 walks to 21 strikeouts in 30 games. Has 12 steals so far. Again, single A, but you know he was a speed guy in college too. So he could be a real sticky 55, 60 hit, 60 um, not power, 60 speed, and we'll see how the power develops. You know, I think he can be at least like a 10 home run guy. We'll see, but yeah, you know, he's just a guy that's gonna really fly under the radar. I think because he doesn't really have the huge power, but. He does a lot of things well, so I think he could be. Uh, he's already in my. Top, I moved him back inside my top 100 after I debuted him outside of it, uh, and he's currently up to. I just had it in front of me here, 82 right now. I think he could realistically be, be top 50 by mid uh, mid 2022. So definitely another name on the rise here. A um, couple of other names here before we get into the break. Um, Jairo Pomares, I think, has been the biggest riser for both of us. I think even more so for Chris. I'll let him uh, start here. And then some other names here. A couple of Seattle guys. Cade Marlowe has had a great season. Gabriel Gonzalez, another guy in the low levels that could be a real big pop-up guy uh, next year. Matt Frazier in Pittsburgh. Jose Ramos for the Dodgers. Miguel Blaze in the or Red Sox organization. Another Pittsburgh guy, Kanan Smith Najigba. I think I'm saying that right. Probably not. <laughs> Someone please let me know if I'm not. So I, I pronounce these guys' names right. And then Ruben Cardenas from the Rays. Another, I know it's a guy Chris has tweeted about recently. Uh, but let's start with Jairo Pomares. He is, he's always been a guy that hits the ball really hard. Um, another guy, like I mentioned many times before, that he gets overshadowed by the bigger names in this system the Marco Lucianos, the Joey Barts, the Luis Matoses, et cetera. So I think you can still get him for a really good price. And he's not a speed guy, but hit tool, power are there. 346, 391, 647, 19 home runs, 27 doubles in 73 games. Chris, first off, 
Where did you put him in your last update, and what have been your thoughts so far on Jairo Pomares? Yeah, I moved him to 43, which is you know pretty high, but I do feel that he could be one that goes even higher. You mentioned the Giants have a ton of talent in the system, and you know Luciano obviously being you know, a top 10, top 5 prospect, Luis Matos being top 20 for a lot of people. There's a lot of talent here, and I think Pomares just gets undershadowed. Like you mentioned, he is the ball ridiculously hard the the exit velocities i've seen have been very impressive uh, rotowire's hard hit rate he's you know near the top of that list as well near 39 percent. so pretty impressive from that standpoint i think the hit tool is good too the biggest question with him is the walk rate and you know my rankings are for obp and i still put them that high because i do think that that comes around yeah since his promotion to high a 1.1 percent walk rate which is you know sickening but i think that does come up i think he's you know probably walks at an average rate we saw him at 6.7 percent in low a i know you take minor league walk rates with a grain of salt but you know i think that he'll end up you know when we see him as he makes it to the big leagues he'll be a guy that walks at an average rate and you know the strikeout rate a little high but i think there's some been, been some adjustments at, even at high a it was around 24 percent in low a but I think the hit and power are both plus, and I just think that he's not really getting the respect that he deserves, even without you know any speed really to speak of. I think that he's a very solid prospect. He can, he controls his own well. He gets power going low and away, and that's what's really impressive with him is that you know that there's no pitch that he can't get to. He may be a little overly aggressive. And I think that probably lowers his walk rate, but yeah, he he's stellar, and I think that he's only going to get more and more recognition. So. I think you can get him cheaper right now. I think the perceived value is a little lower on him, but I'd be looking to see if I could go get him in your dynasty league. Absolutely. Like I mentioned, perfect guy to try to go acquire now. These are the these are the guys I always try to acquire in dynasty leagues. They get under you know overshadowed by the bigger names. And yeah, I, I'm not worried about the lower walk rate. I just think he's gonna be one of the types of guys where yeah, I, I agree. I think he could get to you know an average walk rate, six, seven, eight percent, something like that. But the fact that he puts the ball in play at any the quality of contact is just really very you know really good with him. So I think he's going to be with one of those guys that you know he'll get by with a five six percent walk rate while he's hitting two eighty with 25, 30 home runs. It's like a really good that, that's kind of a profile um, Adam Jones of Baltimore had forever. You now he was like, all right he'll still hit for a good average good power never going to walk a ton, but it worked for him. And, and it can work if you have the context goes to make it work. And it's not like Pomaro's is striking out a ton either. He doesn't have a huge strikeout rate. So, um, yeah, I think this profile can work. and needs to fit right into a, a corner outfield spot, probably flanking Luis Matos down the road. And we'll see who else joins them. If it's Hilliot Ramos, if it's Hunter Bishop, who's also had a bad year but also been hurt a lot too. So, yeah, definitely love Pomaro's. I have moved him quite as much, but – uh, he's definitely where did I put him. He's in my top 100. I know that for a fact. 85. So um, definitely flying up my rankings as well. And he could be top 50 by early next year for me as well. Uh, any other name you want to hit on here, real quick, Chris, before we go to the break? Yeah, set the break. All right, let's, let's take that break. We'll come back on the other side and get into some pitching. So don't go anywhere. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better. 
You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some pictures now. We'll start with our followers. We have a, a few main names we want to talk about here um, on the followers. The biggest one, Asa Lacey, because you know, coming out of the 2020 draft, it was like there was the big three of Emerson Hancock, Asa Lacey, and Max Meyer. Both Hancock and Meyer pitched pretty well. They're kind of still in the same range. They're, you know, top 50 overall prospect, you know, top 10 pitching prospect. I'm a little, I know I'm a little higher on Hancock. Chris is a little higher on Max Meyer, but they've both been pitching pretty well. Asa Lacey, on the other hand, has not. Uh, in 14 starts this year, spanning 52 innings for high A quad cities, he has a 519 ERA and 158 whip. He's still striking out batters at a pretty solid clip. See, he has a strikeout rate of 33.3%. Pretty good. But at the same time, the walk rate is 17.3%. Ouch. Uh, and that was kind of one of the, you know, command and control was kind of like the the question about him coming in, and that's just gotten worse uh, to the point where he's falling in my rankings in a hurry. I don't know if he's a top 100 guy anymore. I think I still put him in my top 100 for now, but I wouldn't be, you know, he has 83 for me. So, but if anybody had him outside the top 100, I wouldn't blame them because he has looked really bad, and I'm not sure if he's a starter a long time. I have those questions as well. What, what, what have been your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think those questions were were there coming into the draft, you know, whether he could be a starter or would he be a reliever. Obviously, when you draft a guy fourth overall, you expect him to be a starter, but he's yeah, he's outside my top 100 at 118. I do have major concerns about the command that we've seen this year because it's been really really bad. And yeah, we can put some of it past him a little bit. I mean, I think there's some adjustment periods, but you know, he's a college arm at one of the highest levels. And you just feel like he should come out and perform better than he has. And right. yeah, it just hasn't seemed to get any better. He misses bats. The swing and strike rate's filthy at 19%. It shows in his K rate there at 33%. But just in general, we haven't seen what we'll see. He hasn't pitched in a while since, you know, July 21st, but even still it, I think there's been some frustrations with him where I just have the question marks of, you know, who is this guy long-term? The Arsenal, I mean, the fastball slider are both, you know, very, very solid pitches, easily plus or if not better. I think he mixes a curve pretty well. Change up, I think he needs to develop, but he's got to command them better if he's going to actually stick as a starter. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I have question marks here. And obviously, Myers really separated himself and, and Hancock as well as compared to Lacey. You know, those were the big three in the draft last year, and you know, they've, They've gone one direction, he's gone the other. So, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm bumping him down a good bit, as, as you've seen in my rankings. Yeah, you, you've bumped him out even further than I have. And, you know, going to the bullpen isn't, you know, a death sentence by any means. Like, we kind of forget that a lot of, you know, not, a lot of the top closers and relievers these days, they, a lot of these guys were former starters at one point. Josh Hader was a former starter. You know, I got like, like a, I don't know, my Red Sox, but Papelbaum was a starter when he, at first. So, uh, a lot of these guys were starters at some point. So 
yeah, at least he could still carve out some value as a reliever, like Chris mentioned with that fastball slider combo, which was, you know, some of the people said was the best two pitch combo in the draft last year, along with Max Myers fastball slider combo. So definitely could still carve out some value in that bulb in a bullpen role. But I think the, the Royals are obviously going to give him every chance to start. Like Chris mentioned number four overall pick. You don't take a guy that high to be a reliever. Like they're going to give him a leash here. Um, so, you know, while there's some bullpen risk, I think he's still – that's not imminent, let's say. Uh, I don't think they're going to move him like next year into the bullpen or anything like that. So um, definitely still a guy that intrigues me because of the stuff, but got to see that command improve because we've seen it, you know, kill a guy like Davey Garcia, who was a top 100 guy, and now he's not even in my top 400 anymore. So command control has to improve. You can't get by with a 17-point-whatever percent walk rate. You just can't. Um, another guy here that was – Top 100 for some people, uh, not for me. I had him, I think I peaked at around 120 or so with this guy, but he has not had a, a solid year. He hasn't pitched a lot, but uh, Yoan Duran has fallen down my rankings a good amount here. Uh, again, 2016, 16 innings this year, but 506 ERA, 181 whip. Again, a guy that's walking a lot of guys right now, not striking out as many as, as he had been. You know, Caterich dipped below 30%, but. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts, Chris, with, with Duran's? I know you were a bit higher on him than I was, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm struggling with him right now where, where I want to rank him. Yeah, I thought he would surpass uh, Belazovic for me and be the, the top arm in that system. That certainly hasn't been the case this year. Really like the Arsenal. I, I don't know. He's he's definitely fallen off, and I know there's been some injuries as well, which you know obviously a concern. He was shut down in June. It was five to six weeks of the time, so it would not need surgery. Uh, not been good in the in the small sample that we've seen, at least. You know, we need to specify. And he hasn't pitched since June 15th. So, and he was rough then. Maybe he would have came on a little stronger as the season progressed if he had kept pitching. We won't know because he hasn't pitched. He probably doesn't pitch again at this point, but... Yeah, I'm skeptical at this point. And with other with so many other arms making big moves, it's you know hard for me to want to stay in on him because there's right. so many other guys that are jumping up and, and looking very, very good. So yeah, he's fallen down significantly for me, just from the standpoint of injury and the lack of performance. But he's still I've got him at two thirty one. Yeah, at one point he was around the one twenty range, I think. But yeah, I'm I'm down on him for sure, just just with those concerns. Yeah, and like, like we well, kind of mentioned, it's not just one thing. It's not that uh, he's been bad. It's like, yeah, he has had some struggles, plus injuries, plus, you know, where is he in the depth chart now? So, yeah, all that kind of wraps into why he's been falling down rankings. And the other two big-name guys here are two more that haven't really pitched a ton lately or even that, barely at all this year. That's Brendan McKay from the Rays and Braylon Marquez from the Cubs. Like, Marquez has gone like MIA. It's like nobody knows, like, where he is, like, what he's doing, when he'll be back. And, you know, McKay has been up and down all year. He's pitched some here and there, uh, but not a ton. And I know you made a big move with McKay in your rankings, Chris. Where, where did you end up putting him? I, I saw it. It was, like, way down. So uh, I think- he's, he's not in the top 400. So you, you probably saw on my spreadsheet that he's, you know, probably, like, 450 or something like that so, so you're you're out you're yeah. out on mckay at this point he, he can't stay healthy and yeah. you know, who knows what he he was the most dominant pitcher in in the minor leagues in 2019 which is crazy how far and it's just crazy to me how quick these guys can fall off the map and 
he was that good in 2019 between in double a and triple a it wasn't like he was you know dominating just you know these guys in low a or rookie ball he was dominating the higher levels of the minors but anyways he did debut pitched 49 he somehow still has an exhausted prospect eligibility. He pitched 49 innings, <laughs> one, one away from exhausting in 2019. He's still a prospect, but he's a non-prospect for me. I you know, I can't – I cut him in dynasty leagues where you know 300 prospects are rostered because he's just not there anymore. He can't stay healthy. You know, this year only pitched seven innings – well, I, 12, excuse me. He pitched compact plex level five and two-thirds and then seven innings in double-A before being shut down. Once again with an injury, a sh- he he returned from the shoulder injury, then shut down again with left elbow injury. It's just like it's one thing after another where it just keeps piling up and piling up. And you know when does it end at this point? When does he actually come back? He's 25 years old at this point. He'll be 26 at the start of next season. I, I'm just completely out on him, unfortunately, because you know the talent is there. But yeah, I, I'm too many concerns for me to even consider ranking him at this point. So. If I came to you, I know I didn't know you at this time, but if I came to you in 2019 and told you that, hey, in like two years or so, we'll be ranking Hayden Wesnecki, Wesneski, excuse me, higher than we'll be ranking Brendan McKay, what would you have said? I would probably be like, who laughed? First <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know. Who the heck is this guy? Yeah. I don't even know. Tell him right. that we're going to be ranking Wesneski ahead of Brendan McKay. But yeah, it's the injuries are just there. And so he hasn't been pitching terribly like so he hasn't really had a lot of innings under his belt since 2019 where you mentioned he, he was one of the best arms in the minor leagues it's just that durability is an issue and the race have so many other options like they don't really need him and so i still think he can be a major league pitcher but in what capacity at this point it's kind of hard it's um but another arm in this in this system that we didn't even put on here that we probably should have i'm going to mention real quick that's been rising up my rankings Ian Seymour in uh, 15 the third innings this year, 12 starts, one out of the pen. Uh, he has a 215 ERA, 0.78 whip. And I think the price tag on him hasn't really caught up, but he is a very inter- intriguing lefty with a good arsenal. Now, nothing that really stands out as like being like, a huge pitch, but just a lot of 50 55 grades, you know, solid command and control as well, can miss bats uh, because of that command. He can locate his pitches. So, you know, McKay down, Ian Seymour up, along with a lot of others in that org. So, um, but yeah, McKay, yeah, I'm, I still have him in like, I think I have him in the, uh, what, 280 range or so. So I'm still holding on a little bit of hope just because of what he showed in 2019. Like, that's why I'm still holding on hopes. So I'm like, all right, he's still got com- command and control. That's, you know, at least good to see. But uh, he's got to get back on the mound here for a prolonged stretch. And then I think we'll see, like, all right, can he at least stay healthy to be a starter or is he going to be a guy that, is a bullpen guy because he can't, you know, handle a starter's workload. We'll yeah. see, but yeah. you have to wonder how the Rays even value him in the pecking order because you just go right. down their list of pitching prospects with Boz, Taj Bradley, Ian Seymour, and Nick Bitsko. You know, obviously lost Wilcox to Tommy John, but even guys lower like Tobias Myers, Seth Johnson, JJ Goss. These are all talents, and I have all right. these guys ahead of McKay at this point. So yeah, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how the Rays view him. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. And then uh, real quick here with Braylon Marquez, he hasn't pitched in a while. And even though you know, he can miss bats, fastball, slider is a great combination, especially on the left side where he can, he can touch the upper registers or sit in the upper registers, excuse me, and touch 100 with that fastball from the left side. It has a nasty breaking ball. You know, command and control has been an issue with him, even though it did show some improvements to 2019. But 
can he handle, does he have the command and can he handle the durability of being a full-time starter? That kind of remains to be seen. I'm, I still have him ranked higher than McKay. So I think I liked the stuff a bit more with, with uh, Marquez than with McKay, but yeah, he's another one that's just, I don't know. Is he a starter? Is he not? I don't know. And that's why he's falling on my rankings too. Where, where do you have Marquez in your rankings? Too high. I just look 211 is too high. <laughs> too I mean, damn high. <laughs> yeah. I, I've always thought he's a bullpen guy. In my opinion, just the command is not there to be a starter. I don't think. And, uh, you know, we started to see it a little bit in 2019 where it, it kind of came along. The walk rate dropped a little bit when he was promoted to high A actually, but it's just not, I don't see it being sustainable. Again, the durability is a major, major concern. When you when you throw triple digit velocity, his where the way his arm angle is, his his delivery, just everything about it, just very inconsistent. And I think that there's major injury risk with that. And he hasn't pitched this year because he had a left shoulder strain. So I think that with his mechanics, how hard he throws, he's just going to be prone to injuries. Who knows? He may get TJ at some point, but yeah, there's there's too much risk here. I'm going to drop him outside my 300 i think when after we get off here so who who would you rather have long term marquez or aj puck probably puck i feel more confident that he can be a dominant reliever yeah i think i'd probably agree with that it sucks that these guys couldn't you know figure out how to start you know because the stuff is just filthy with with all these guys you know yeah. they get great stuff but you know but there'd be durability it's a combination of durability command that'll push it to the bullpen and these guys are kind of the you know, the best cases that we've seen out of that. So, but moving on here, let's get on to some positives here. Get over to the risers. We got a lot of interesting names. No, like, super big name here, but it's a lot of intriguing guys that are having really good seasons. Uh, let's start with a pair of Seattle arms, Brandon Williamson and Matt Brash. Uh, I've always been a big Brandon Williamson guy, and Brash has really burst onto the scene this year. There are still some people that are like, all right, what he's doing is great and all, but is he a starter? You know, with what the sum of all the parts doesn't make him a starter long term. But I don't know. He's definitely showing me that you know he's at least a name to be reckoned with so far this year. 226 ERA across 91 and two-thirds innings, split between high A, Everett, and double A uh, Arkansas. Uh, yeah, 226 ERA, 109 whip, striking out a lot of batters this year. Walk rate is still above 10%. So um, the command and control is, you know, still pretty shaky, but has improved uh, for the most part from what I've seen as the years gone on, missing bats at a high clip. And the same thing with, with Williamson, a guy, like I said, I've liked for a while now. Big 6'6 lefty, gotta love that. Uh, 18 starts. The overall numbers don't really jump out at you. 351 ERA. 118 whip, but at the same time, he's been really good over the last month or two here. Let me pull up those numbers here, right there. 25 and two-thirds innings pitched, 175 ERA, 094 whip, 42 Ks in 25 and two-thirds innings in AA. Uh, Which one of these guys do you like more? Are you you a bigger Williamson guy or Brash? And what have been your thoughts on each of these guys so far this year? Yeah, um, Brash is now ahead. He's actually gotten even better since being promoted to AA. He pitched 42 innings in high A and was good. 255 ERA, 132 whip. You mentioned the walk rate was a little high there, but since going to double A, 201 ERA, 0.89 whip. The walk rate's down below 10%. The strikeout rate's up to 38%. Swinging strike rate of 16%. All these numbers have been stellar, not to mention that he's commanding his pitches much better, and that's been steadily improving. He went from being a 
pretty much surefire bullpen guy in a lot of people's opinions when the Padres drafted him to now, I think giving himself a pretty good chance to stick as a starter. His slider just is absolutely devastating. Wipes out hitters just left and right. You know, pretty big fastball as well. I'm a fan of everything that I've seen with him. And uh, Jerry DePoto came out and said that he could potentially be called up this year, which it would be nuts. I, I don't really see it happening. He'd be used as a reliever, obviously, but I'd be interesting to see if he did come up and how he performed. I'm a huge fan of what I've seen. I think it's sustainable. His You watch his starts, and he's just highly dominant. Obviously, Williamson has been really good as well, but I don't know. I think Brash just has you know this immense upside that he could be one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Like That's what we've seen from him. Where he's been that good. He's got to do it for a longer stretch to be actually considered that way. But I think that he's made major strides with his command, the way he commands his pitches, and that's gone a long way for him. So, yeah, Brash is one that you know I've watched a lot recently and really fallen in love with. But Williamson also a guy that you know I really like as well. Yeah, I, I go the other way. I, I like uh, Williamson a bit more. I think there's a, a slightly higher chance that he starts, but they're, they're both getting pretty close in my rankings here. Brash obviously catching up here uh, with the performance he's shown this year. So um, definitely two names I've really been targeting a lot. Because, again, they're not huge names. So uh, again, another example of the price tag not really catching up to the value right now. So two pretty good targets there out in Seattle. Uh, two more here in Cleveland. What a surprise. Two Cleveland prospects on the <laughs> pitching prospects on the rise. Who would have thunk it? Uh, we got Logan. What's wait, this was Logan T. Allen. So yeah, uh, if you, yeah, so if you're looking for Logan Allen, the younger one that we're talking about, this is Logan T. Allen, the older one that came over from the Padres and is already pitching the majors is Logan S. Allen. So a little little tip there. So not adding the wrong Logan Allen here. Um, he has had a really, really good year. Uh his first in the Cleveland system here in 101 and the third innings, 204 ERA, 093 whip, low walk rate, pretty solid strikeout rate, little under, you know, 33% there. You know, another, this, he fits the Cleveland mold. The guy that can miss bats, but doesn't have a, you know, a high walk rate. This really fits that mold. And the same can be said about Peyton Battenfield and then some in 99 and the third innings for him, 217 ERA, 0.80 whip. He only has 16 walks to 128 Ks. You gotta love that. So these are just two. You know, this stuff that with either of them, it's good. You know, it's a good all run arsenal for each. Neither one of them has like that one pitcher. Like wow, you know, it's like a 70 grade pitcher. Even like a, you know, they have a lot of 50, 55 offerings here. But all these pitches just get elevated by the, you know, the command and control that they have shown over their careers. Um, which neither one have been in the league, you know, professional ball for too, too long. Um, but you know, both coming out last year, but both very, very high floor arms that are in a great org. I'm buying both Logan T. Allen and Peyton Batville wherever I can. Yeah, no, I agree. What were the Rays doing trading Batfield? They traded him for virtually nothing for Jordan Luplow. Oh yeah, I, mean, Luplo. I was trying to think who they yeah, who they got in that. Yeah. What what were they doing? I mean have they, have they has Luplow even played that much for that? I don't like, know. He doesn't like, where does he fit? You know, they, they have, they're so deep in the outfield, but whatever that, that trade baffled me and Battenfield, you know, was one that I was really coming on to this year where he's bounced. You know, he was with Houston in 2019, obviously with the Rays this year, and he pitched extremely well with the Rays, you know, what's in high a 
dominated and had a 42% strikeout rate and a 4% walk rate. They bumped him to double A, you know, 32.4% strikeout rate, just 4.9% walk rate there. And he's been in double A in Cleveland as well and been highly dominant in 32 innings with a 2.25 ERA, a 0.78 whip. Strikeout rate's down a hair, but even still 27% and a 3.3% walk rate. And you mentioned when you command pitches that well, the arsenal plays up. Now, Battenfield doesn't really have a pitch that's a plus by any means. I think the fastball potentially could get there. You got a decent change in curve, but when you command pitches that well, then it really plays up. And that's what it's doing for Battenfield. And, you know, I'm a fan of both guys. Battenfield just a little higher on. Probably higher than most on. I've got him at 108. I've got Logan Allen at 132. Both those guys, I think, could easily be top 100 prospects soon because they've been dominant. They're in great orgs for development, obviously, in Cleveland. And when you get two good arms like that in that system, they're only going to continue to get better, in my opinion. So that's why I'm continuing to bump these guys up, continued strong performance, good arsenal, great command. So that's a good recipe for success, in my opinion. Absolutely. And you know, I will say if either of these two have a plus pitch, it's probably Logan Allen's uh change up. That's the thing that they both have a good feel for the change up and you know have a good three, four pitch mix for both of them in a good org. You know, like this Cleveland org, like I really have been focusing more and more on what orgs are good at developing what type of player. Like the cut we talked about a couple of Cubs hitting prospects. The Cubs are pretty good at developing hitters. Obviously, we know Cleveland's one of the top three or four orgs at developing pitching. That's why I'm you know, pretty aggressive in my rankings of Daniel Espino, Gavin Williams. Now I bumped up Logan Allen and Peyton Battenfield a good amount as well. Uh, Tanner Burns, another good pitching prospect in this system. You know, Tommy Mace, obviously Ethan Hankins, who's hurt right now, is, is probably has the second highest upside in that org besides Daniel Espino. There's so many good pitching prospects in this org. So Xavier Curry, another one. It's just like the list goes on and on, and all these guys are just – now, none of these guys have the really big name value outside of maybe a you know Hankins, Burns, and uh, Espino. So you can still get all these guys for pretty reasonable price tags, uh, even though they are rising up rankings. I don't have them quite as high, but I have Battenfield 156, Logan Allen 171. Probably a little low, I'll admit that. I probably could bump them up even more. But uh, yeah, definitely love both these guys. Moving forward here, uh, moving on to... Couple guys that are very different. <laughs> we just got done talking about two guys that are, you know, solid arsenals, but you know, good command and control elevates the arsenal. These next two guys are completely different. They're big stuff, big loud stuff, but command and control, eh, it's still kind of to be seen if they will harness their arsenals enough to be impact starters or even starters at all at the big league level. You know, one of the two is been higher ranked than the other but the second name we're going to talk about here he's very similar and probably didn't get as much love from everybody i think than as he should talking about kyle harrison and dj herds we'll start with harrison here just turned 20 uh about a month ago he's been striking out a ton of batters down in the minor leagues walk uh strike rate above 33 percent so far in his first 22 starts 336 era 142 whip, you know, that whips a bit high because of the, the walk rate is 49 walks in 93 and two thirds innings. And then DJ hers and the Chicago Cubs six, another six, two left-handed pitcher here in 19 starts as well. 340 ERA 104 whip. He has people that he's had a lot of walks. So it's kind of similar 
to his walk is even higher than Harrison's, but at the same time, he's going to get up 38 hits and 76 and two thirds innings. So, you know, when he's actually locating his pitches, he's hard to hit. So, um, yeah, take it away, Chris. What are your thoughts here on uh, Harrison and DJ Harris? Yeah. And because one of our Patreon members, who's a very sharp prospect mind, actually, Philip Thompson, he, he finds all these deep sleepers, really helps me dig in. And he posed a question to us in, in our Discord and asked, you know, why is Kyle Harrison ranked so high in comparison to DJ Hurst when they're so similar? And so I really began to dig in. Obviously, Hurst, you know, name was popping up at that point. He is having a huge year. But when you look into it, the question is, why is Harrison a top 100 prospect? And why is Hurst not even ranked most places? And I found it highly interesting. I think that they're much closer than people are willing to give them credit for. And I think that's because Harrison, from more of a standpoint of, you know, we knew a little bit more about him, I'd say, I guess, prior to this year. With yeah, hers, meanwhile, true. hers kind of, you know, he was drafted out of high school in 2019, eighth round pick. And, you know, he was he only pitched 10 innings prior to the season professionally. And he had a 16% strikeout rate and a 16% walk rate. Obviously, 10 innings, whatever. But this year, hers has been arguably the better pitcher. The walk rate is a hair higher, sure. But hers is the same age they're both 20 years old hers has been bumped to high a and while it's only been two starts he's been really good in those two starts from what we've seen and you look at his arsenal and people may question well is he a two-pitch guy is he going to be only a bullpen type guy and i don't think so because i think that he's really rounded out his arsenal well enough where that's kind of out of the question for me and he's made 22 starts Sorry, no, he's made, hers has made 19 starts. Harrison had made 22 starts. 19 starts. Harrison has allowed one earned runner less in 13 of those. Pretty impressive. He had one blow-up outing this year where he had allowed nine earned runs in two innings. Take that out. His ERA for the season drops to 2-1-2. Pretty stinking impressive. The Arsenal, I think, is really good. Fastball sits mid-90s pretty consistently. He's got the velo up this year from, from what it had been. He's even touched 99, according to reports. I haven't seen that. Obviously, haven't seen him live. Most of the MILB TV don't have the you know, velocity on the, the film or whatever, but reports say he touched 99. He has this curveball that's really nasty. He called it, It's a spike curveball, according to him. Gets a ton of whiffs. Some want to call it a slider, but you know, I read an interview with him specifically where he said it's a spike curveball. I'm going to go back to the fastball. Gets pretty good ride. He actually paints the corners extremely well with it. The changeup, I think, is plus pitch as well. So he's got three really good pitches there. He's really worked to refine his mechanics. And that's what I, when he was, I watched the interview, that he said that was something that he worked the most on this, you know, in 2020, the lost season. So he really worked to refine his mechanics and be more consistent with them. And that consistency has led to more consistent command. Obviously, the control has some issues. We've seen the walk rate pretty high, but, yeah, you know, he's actually seen that come down a little bit. The walk rate is, steadily i won't say steadily but it has come down and even still you look at the strikeout minus walk rate and it's you know highly impressive near near 30 percent but i do think the walk rate has reason to be concerned moving forward i think he needs to be a little more efficient he he tends to work deeper into counts which does lead to a higher walk rate if he does that i think that there's a high probability that six is a starter and a, and a really good one at that and you know i haven't gone this in depth on harrison though i do like harrison 
and I have Harrison inside my top 100, I'm pretty sure, at 104, so pretty close. And I just question why why hers is so low. And I did bump hers all the way up to 177, but, man, I think these guys are pretty close, which is interesting. But everything I've seen, really love of DJ Hers. And obviously, I'd like to see it continue. I'd like to see his walk rate trend down. But, yeah, hers is making a real case to be a top 100 arm, which is crazy, but I, I think that he's legit. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely a lot closer than you know one would originally have thought, and yeah, they, they're both very similar. Like you know, they both left uh, lefties with good stuff. They both have you know low to mid nineties fastball. You know, hers can get a little higher than Harrison can right now. Both got really good fastballs. Harrison has that advantage of having that lower arm slot creates a little bit of deception. There's strong ride. Uh, really can, he, he can command that fastball well. It's it's really the breaking pitches that he needs to get more consistency with. I say that same thing about hers as well. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, hers can paint paint the corners pretty well with that fastball. So a lot of similarities here. You know, good fastballs have shown two. You know, both a breaking ball. You know, Harrison's got a slider, the spike curve for hers that have both flashed well. Changeups, you know, inconsistent but flashed above average or more. So. A lot of you know interesting similarities here. I do think here I've Harris is still ranked higher. I think he's shown at least some better command overall than hers has. I think there's more projection there with Harrison than there is with hers. So that's why he's still ranked higher for me. Um, plus, I the Cubs haven't really don't have a great track record developing pitchers recently, which neither all well, the Giants really haven't either. But um, so both these orgs do worry me a little bit. Like we've seen how Seth Corey's fallen off. Um, and uh, who's the the giant guy they had? Oh, Sean. Uh, well, how do you say his last name? Yeah. No. Something like that. I don't um, know. Yeah, a couple of their top pitching prospects have really floundered over the last few years. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen with the other these two guys. They're both very, very talented arms. So um, definitely, if you want some upside plays, these are two very good upside plays. Uh, a few other names here before we get out of here. Ryan Nelson from Arizona. Randy Vazquez, one of the several Yankees pitching prospects on the rise this year, Davis Daniels, uh, Daniel from the Los Angeles angels and Aaron Ashby, who's already debuted for Milwaukee. You know, I, I'll mention Jay grooms. I don't want to keep an eye on his numbers. Aren't great, but uh, overall, but he's looking better. Just watching him pitch. He's looking better. Uh, he had a great start in double a today, six innings, one run, nine K's. Um, I think he's starting to shake some of that rust off. So I think he's a guy that is going to rise a, a ton uh, if he continues to shake the rest off and show that he's still a very talented pitching prospect. Uh, Chris, did you want to hit on any of these guys or think we're good here? Yeah, I think we're good. I mean, I love Randy Vasquez. He's been impressive. He's moved way up my rankings. A lot of these guys have been impressive, honestly. So this has been a crazy year of pitching prospects popping up. And, it has. It yeah, has. so it, it'll be interesting to see how it carries over to next year. Obviously, you know, a lot of these guys worked on a lot of things last year and it's paid off. You know, we didn't see it, but we're seeing it now. We're seeing the results of it. So, yeah, certainly fun to see. Absolutely. But, yeah, that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to everyone for listening again this week. We hope you have all enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. Make sure to tune in again on probably Wednesday. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tweet it out, but it'll probably be Wednesday for our second episode this week. And until then, everyone take care. Bye.